Welcome back to Held and Healed. This podcast is a resource that is filled with resources to help you on your healing journey. And I speak most specifically to women who are rebuilding their lives after abuse, specifically abusive marriages. Uh, Last week or a couple of weeks ago, I did a podcast uh, and just kind of showcased phrases that are harmful that can really re-victimize and re-traumatize survivors. And today I would like to take some time to share helpful and healing phrases as well as suggestions for specific acts of kindness that you can perform and offer to women who are rebuilding their lives after abuse. So I'm excited about this. I have asked within my Held and Healed group, I've asked for suggestions and examples of things that have helped. Some of these come from my own personal experience. Some of these are things that I wish I had had, and then others are things that other women have mentioned. So I just want to proclaim and testify that God has been faithful and God has been good through all the ups and the downs of the last five years. So in a three and a half year span of time, this was really intense. I went from being a relatively healthy, relatively healthy person. I had a lot of immune issues and dealt with viruses and stomach issues and things like that, but I didn't have any pre-diagnosed conditions per se. But in a three and a half year span of time, I became chronically ill, was completely unable to function on my own for months and months on end, did not know if I would live or die. I contracted a virus in another country that just wrecked me. So I became chronically ill, got separated, empty nested, and divorced in a three and a half year span of time. Also left the church that I had been serving at. Um, (laughs) A lot of changes happened in a very short time. And I had a, just a group of friends that I relied heavily on. And one thing that was encouraged to me to do by my counselor was to create a village and be very specific with my village of what I would need for about a six month span of time. So I had certain friends that I talked to about chronic health issues. I had certain friends that I talked to about um, abuse. I had certain friends that I talked to about mothering teenage, you know, young adult sons. And then I had one specific friend who kind of was my (laughs) catch-all. That dear woman, she got it all because she understood parts of every bit of me. And she was the person that I didn't have to compartmentalize with. Um, I'm grateful for her patience and her faithfulness to me. So um, when I say that words matter, I mean that. I really, really mean that words matter. But more than words, when you are going through the trauma of chronic health and you're going through the trauma of abuse, you need more than just words. So today we're going to unpack what that looks like. I used to say that my love language was words of affirmation. And while I still do appreciate and need genuine (laughs) words of affirmation, I also came to realize that I really, really needed people to show up with acts of kindness and quality time because I was alone a lot of those a lot of those months a lot of those years I was here in my home looking at the walls and I needed people to show up and offer their time and their services to me not just their words so now I would probably say I need all three of those things equally so when we say what are some of the things that help I want to give you a couple of phrases that I am actually using in group coaching right now. 
Um, I receive requests and messages from women almost daily who are in need of time and resources and talking out the things that they're experiencing. But I myself um, can only take on so many appointments or phone calls in a day or in a week. And so I've learned that group coaching is a great place to maximize my, my time and my resources by gathering women together and teaching, um, I call it 12 truths group coaching, teaching 12 foundational truths that have transformed and renewed my mind as I've been on my healing journey. And the very first one, and this is what women need to hear from us, especially women in the faith community who have been shamed and blamed for so long for their husband's sins and abuse and adultery. They have been told that it's up to them to change their husbands. If you go back to my previous harmful phrases episode, I just go down just dozens and dozens of things that women have heard that are so detrimental and so not God. They're not They're not words that the Heavenly Father would speak over them. But here is one that really combats all of those. God loves you and he wants you to be safe and well. Can we look our sweet sisters in the eyes and say to her when she has disclosed that she is enduring hell in her home, look her in the eye and say, God loves you and he wants you to be safe and well. That's a really great place to begin. Another truth that really tags onto that but is still goes a little bit deeper is God loves you a person more than he loves your marriage and institution. Church, we need to get this. God allows divorce to protect his people. He hates the hardness of heart that leads to divorce. He hates the sin that leads to divorce. He does not actually hate divorce, and he certainly does not hate the person who has to pursue a divorce to get to safety. We have got to get this right. Please stop telling people that God is going to hate them or send them to hell for choosing a divorce. God loves you, a person, more than he loves your marriage and institution. God himself is actually divorced from the nation of Israel because she was unfaithful, adulterous, and she sinned against him. If divorce was always a sin, then God would be capable of sinning, which we know he is not. Not all marriages are holy and not all divorces are unholy. So let's stop shaming people for pursuing a life-saving divorce. God loves you, a person, more than he loves your marriage and institution. We also want to help equip ourselves and the women that are coming to us by understanding that abuse is so much more than broken bones and bruises. And I am just getting out in every way that I can possibly think the information about the 13 patterns and systems of abuse. If you are familiar with the Duluth Power and Control Wheel, it takes that and then expands it into several more categories. So the 13 powers, uh, sorry, the 13 patterns and systems of abuse. I did a podcast about that several months ago. I also have that in a blog form. I'm creating graphics on my Facebook page. And I just did a Facebook live yesterday that highlighted examples from each of those, um, those systems or patterns. So that's really, really important information for us to have in our tool belt so that when women are coming to us, we can recognize the patterns and the systems. It's way more than broken bones and bruises. Also, another very, very important thing is that there are three types of marriages. 
difficult, disappointing, and destructive. So destructive is what we are highlighting when we're talking about the patterns and the systems. If a marriage is abusive, and or we can use the word destructive there, it is unsafe, unwise, and unethical to put that person into a counseling session with her abuser. So let's stop, stop, stop putting women into situations that will put her in more danger, okay? So those are just some of the things that we um, we talk about in our group coaching. We have 12 truths all together. But then beyond that, what's really vital, and I hear this over and over again, and I know in my own situation, this was the case. We need to hear people say, I believe you. Look her in the eye and tell her as she has poured out her heart, I believe you. That will go a long, long way. Do not try to figure out why he did what he did. He did what he did because he's an abuser, not because she did anything wrong. Do not try to sin level and make it equally her fault. Look her in the eye and tell her you believe her. If you feel that you can say this with integrity, tell her I'll be here for you for the long haul. Understand that recovering and rebuilding your life after abuse takes time. There is a whole lot of grieving. There are stages of grieving. There are so many emotions. There are so many triggers, trauma. Many women are rebuilding their lives with post-traumatic stress and complex post-traumatic stress. There are so many layers to the onion of grieving and recovering and rebuilding. Give her time, give her space, be realistic. Say, I will help you when I'm able to. If you are a part of her village for that first six months, commit to what you're able to do for those first six months. Are you able to do a phone call for 15 minutes once a week to check in? Are you able to do coffee with her once a month for the first six months? Find what works with you and within your boundaries. Keep those boundaries healthy. That's why she needs more than one person. She needs to have her friends. She needs to have, if she has safe family members who love her and will stand by her, a counselor, she may have doctors and medical people who are helping her with her chronic health issues. She needs an entire team of people. So if you are part of her village for that first six months that she is in major, major trauma coming out, what is it that realistically you can offer her? Can you babysit for her once a month so that she can just breathe for a couple of hours? Figure out what works for you. And when you commit, make sure you follow through. All right, I am looking at my list here. If you hear crinkling, I am going to pull up some graphics that I have. So this is just another part of being in the Held and Healed group. I dump resource upon resource into this group every single day. I probably post between five and ten different things. So you will never be without healing and empowering and equipping resources. So this is a graphic that was created by um, Nate Pastawaith. I think that's how you pronounce his name. And he has two categories. Instead of these things, try this. So instead of saying, stop living in the past, say, I can see how you are still hurting. That gives validation to the pain that she feels right now. Instead of saying you need to forgive and forget, say, that must be difficult to have to remember. Understand that she doesn't want to remember these things. She doesn't want to feel this pain. She doesn't want to expend the energy that it takes to feel deeply. She would much rather be numb. She would prefer, honestly, to be able to forget, but that's not how the body works. 
Instead of saying everything happens for a reason, say, I am so sorry you have to go through that. All right, the next one. Don't say, I'm sure it's nothing. Instead say, this is such a difficult time. How can I support you? Do not say everything is going to be okay. Instead say, I don't have solutions, but I care about you and I'm here to listen. This is coming from exploring.therapy. This is a graphic that they created. Instead of saying, relax, there's no need to panic. Say, what can I do to help in addition to sending you good thoughts or praying for you? All right, so instead of telling her not to panic, ask how you can show up and help to pull some of the weight and the stress off of her. Instead of saying just stay positive, say it's understandable why you'd feel anxious, scared, or worried. What can I do to be there for you? Instead of saying stop worrying, everything will be fine, all right, these are not lining up completely across the line from each other. Um, I think you can say, again, that's understandable that you'd feel anxious, scared, or worried. What can I do to be there for you? Instead of saying this will be over soon, say what's been helping you to cope with all of this. Don't say I'm sure it's not as bad as you think. Say I hear you and I am here for you. Um, I have a list of 66 positive things that you can say to your child, but you can also adapt that for your friend and I am clicking through. Instead of saying calm down, say, how can I help you? Instead of saying stop crying, I can see that this is hard for you. Instead of you're okay, ask, are you okay? Instead of be quiet, can you use a softer voice? Now, these are mainly for working with children, but you could possibly be <laughs> using these with adults. Instead of saying, don't yell, encourage her to take a deep breath and then explain to you what happened. Instead of saying, that's enough, say, do you need a hug? All right, emotional maturity versus spiritual bypassing. So this is a graphic that was created by AllisonCookPhD.com. And spiritual bypassing can kind of go along with toxic positivity. So if you have been taught that you have to always have a positive response for everything, that is not necessarily healthy or being emotionally mature. That is a lot of times over-spiritualizing and minimizing people's pain. So we want to make sure that we are not using toxic positivity or spiritual bypassing. So here are some examples of emotional maturing. I'll, I'll share the emotional maturity um, example and then the spiritual bypassing. So emotional maturity says, I'm weary. I sense a need to say no to requests for my time. Spiritual bypassing says, if you leaned on God more, you wouldn't get so tired. Do you see the difference? It's okay to be tired. We are human beings. It's okay to get tired. So when we are weary, we sense a need to say no and that's okay. Spiritual bypassing says you have Jesus. You shouldn't feel sad or alone. Emotional maturity says this news has me feeling fragile and alone. Lord, I'm grieving. Spiritual bypassing would say to somebody, fear is a sin. Pray it away. Emotional maturity says I notice anxiety as I learn to trust again. God help me to be wise. Spiritual bypassing says you just need to forgive and forget. There that is again. Hmm, that's a big one. 
And emotional maturity says, I feel so angry. God, help me honor this pain even as I discern how to move forward. So those are just a couple of examples of graphics that I have saved in um, an album in our group for you to benefit from. Do some more research when you have time to understand toxic positivity and spiritual bypassing. And anytime that we minimize someone's pain and say you shouldn't or you, yeah, if we say you shouldn't feel that way, that's just a great indicator that we are, we're headed in a direction that's not helpful. Sorry about that. Big old truck, motorcycle just went by. Okay, so things that help and help her to heal, okay? See her. With your eyes, see her. Notice her. Don't walk by her. Literally, in the deepest, darkest places of my life, when Disclosure first came out, I knew that most of the people on staff and in leadership positions at the church knew what I was going through, and yet very few of them actually spoke to me. And in contrast, many of them literally walked by me and put their eyes, looked at the ground as they walked by me. You talk about feeling like I felt like I had a scarlet letter on me. I was the one who had been hurt. I was the one who had been wounded. I was the one who had been betrayed, but I was the one that was punished. Let's not do that to women. Listen to her. And when I say listen, I mean truly enter in and validate and tell her you believe her again. That's that's just like you can't put a price on what it means to be told that you were believed and that you do not have to prove to someone because those who have suffered other forms of abuse beyond physical do not have visible marks to prove the abuse and yet the scars and the wounds are deep gaping wounds. They are real and when the abuse is continually day after day, week after week, year after year, those wounds get poked and so they never really get to heal and they fester and they get infected and it's brutal. So believe her. Support her and I will give some examples of what that might look like when we're talking about supporting her emotionally, physically, relationally, spiritually, and then of course financially is a huge part of the recovery process. And here is another one that is very controversial, although I don't understand why it's controversial because God's word is very, very clear about abusers. God's word is very clear about abusers and wolves and people who are unkind. He says, have nothing to do with them. That is what his word says, have nothing to do with them. What we need to do that will really support her is hold her abuser to account. And this is where there are some amazing ministries that will teach, equip, and empower churches to walk beside you as leaders and teach you how to deal with and become a safe church for domestic violence survivors. And part of that, part of being a safe church is to not allow the wolves into the pen with the sheep. So... I was just listening to a podcast with Darby Strickland, who is an amazing voice in this movement, and she was talking about the imagination. It is very difficult to imagine that that man that you see on Sunday morning in your church is an abuser. 
please remember, and this all goes back to believing her, please remember that abusers have a public persona and they have a private persona. What you see on Sunday morning is not who they are at home. So I understand that maybe it's really, really hard for you to see Mr. Nice Guy, Mr. Funny Guy, Mr. Charismatic Guy, Mr. Guy who shows up and helps with service projects and does all the things that good guys do. I know it's very difficult for you to imagine that behind closed doors, he is a snake. He is a wolf. He is verbally, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, sexually, and always abusing his wife and his kids. I know, I know that there's cognitive dissonance and that you can't possibly imagine that that's going on. But trust me when I say it is happening every single day, every single day in at least 25%, I would say 30%, and I would dare say way, way higher numbers of, of homes this is happening so when someone comes to you and she shares her story, please, please, please hold the abuser to account. If she chooses to stay in your church, then let him know that he needs to go elsewhere. Keep her safe and protect her, walk with her, and hold her close to your heart and believe her and tell her abuser that he is not welcome. I sat with a pastor and a pastor's wife a couple of years ago and shared bits and pieces of my story. And when I asked what their church's policy was on this particular topic, I was told very clearly the abuser and the abused are welcome here. At that time, I did not have the understanding that I now do. It sounded good. It sounded right. It sounded biblical. But when you look at the red letters that Jesus spoke, when you look throughout the Old and the New Testament, God had so much to say about those who hurt his children and those who take advantage of his children, and those who are abusive. God has much, much to say about that. So please, church, let's get on board with what Jesus taught. Let's get on board with what God's word says about abusers and stop allowing them to hurt the precious sheep in our care. And then when we go beyond um, what words we're going to use, let's talk about specific ways that we can help. So, this is something I feel so like I get lit up, I get excited about, I get energized. I love to connect needs and resources. And I will be launching a nonprofit in the near future. And part of what that nonprofit will do is to help with tangible needs um, for women as they're rebuilding their lives. I cannot wait. We've already been doing this for probably the last decade. Basically, anytime there's a need that I am aware of, I go onto Facebook and I throw out, we need this size clothing for this mama. We need diaper shower for this mama. We need um, funds for utilities for this mama. Um, we've been able to get a lot of good things done over the years through Facebook, but a friend, several friends encouraged me to go the route of a nonprofit so that our reach and our uh, impact could be greater. So that's the direction that we're moving in and I'm really excited. We did a campaign last Christmas for mothers who were rebuilding their lives and we were able to give them money and wish lists were fulfilled on Amazon. So that Christmas morning, each mother and kid could open gifts that were 
um, put under the tree by the mother. I don't need, and my ministry does not need to have my name on a gift tag. I want these mothers to be able to give their kids gifts that they chose. That's so much more important than it coming from me. Um, and it wasn't for me. It was for my friends who gave. It wasn't for me. I was just the middle, the middle woman. I cannot wait to see all the different things that God has for this, um, this project that we are endeavoring and we are moving towards. So please stay tuned as I have more details, I will give those to you. But let's talk about the specific ways that you can support a woman who is walking through this reality. So many of us were stay-at-home homeschool mamas. Um, I did not have a college degree. I did not have um, a resume. My life's dream, my life's ministry was to be with my children, to raise them, to teach them, and to protect them from as much of the indoctrination of the world and the things that are going on around us. Um, I wanted to keep them safe while still letting them know that those realities existed. And I never for one moment regret that I was a stay-at-home mother and I never regret that I homeschooled my children. There are a lot of regrets that I do have, but those are things that I have never questioned. I wanted to do those things and I am so grateful I had that opportunity. So when a woman is starting over, she needs money. Let's just be, let's just be honest. Let's get right down, down to it. Funds. There are so many things that she is going to need financial resources for. for. So let's look at these women as spiritual widows and let's invest in them. Let's, let's invest in them. God loves them. He cherishes them. He sees them. And if we have it within our means and within our hands to give a week's worth of groceries or pay a mortgage or show up with a home-cooked meal, let's do whatever we can to help these women know that we stand by them by literally putting our money where our mouths are. We need to uh, release money for rehousing. Sometimes there's a need for emergency shelter like hotel for a week or so, some place where she can go just to get away from immediate danger. Utilities, vehicles or vehicle upkeep costs, insurance, counseling services. I dream of being able to have a fund with our nonprofit one day that is specifically for counseling service so that I can find a local safe domestic violence informed trauma informed counselor and partner with that counselor and say for the next six sessions, so-and-so will be coming to you and her bill is covered. That is a dream. That is a big dream that I have. Legal fees. I would love to have another fee set aside where we can help women get their retainers with their lawyers. Um, locally, there is a young mama that has needed that and um, I believe like some type of a crowdfundme was started for her and it is such an incredible need. Legal resources, especially if you're going to get a counselor, I mean, sorry, a lawyer who is really good and equipped and um, reputable, it's going to cost a lot of money. So help these women, churches, individuals, counseling, legal fees, and housing needs are incredible beyond the finances. So maybe you're just in a place financially where you're just as strapped as she is. And I understand that a lot of people are strapped. There's so many things that we can do that don't necessarily have to cost a fortune. So what do you have in your hand? What is your skill set? What is it that you are passionate about doing? And offer that. So 
if you are someone who is safe and if a mother wants to run a background check on you or wants references, please do not be offended by this. Please understand what she is coming from, the abuse that she has endured and that she may not be very trusting. But if you are someone who is cleared and is safe to babysit and you're willing to go through the hoops that she may ask you to go through to prove that you are safe, then babysitting could be an incredible gift that you could give to her. A couple of hours to breathe her own oxygen, a couple of hours to go do nothing, go home and take a nap if she wants to, a couple of hours to run errands without little ones to get in and out of the car seats. Babysitting could be a tremendous gift. Offering to help her with errands. Maybe she just needs somebody to stop by the store and pick up a couple of necessities and doesn't want to or have the energy to drag all the kids out. So offer, you know what? I'm running to Costco, I'm running to Walmart. What can I pick up for you? If you're not able to cover the cost of those items, make that very clear. Have her Venmo or PayPal you. Um, but just the act of going and doing that for her and saving her the energy it would take for her to get the kids ready, get herself ready, load them in the car and take them somewhere. Offer, now, this is going to be hard, and most women are probably not going to accept this, although I'm at a place in my life where I would, and I have been at a place in my life where I've needed this. Offer to help with household chores. Maybe she has three weeks worth of laundry that hasn't been folded. Say, hey, can I come over, and we can pick a show on Netflix to watch together, and I will help you fold laundry. I will help you wash your dishes. I will help you do a deep spring cleaning because I know that you have been overwhelmed, and you don't have the energy to do that. So let me help you. I know for me, things like getting the windows washed and the baseboards cleaned, um, the cabinet cupboards in the kitchen, those are things that just don't get done. I need my siding to be power washed. I need my gutters to be cleaned. And those are not necessarily things that I physically have the strength or the stamina to do. And it would be wonderful just to have somebody say, hey, how can I help you? I love to barter. So if I have a product or a service that I can do in exchange for you, I will very willingly do that. And that reciprocation will make her feel less like a charity case, but at least offer um, rides and transportation. So if she is a mama who has kids that are involved in activities, it would be very helpful for her to know that one day a week or two days a week, she doesn't have to make this particular run. So again, if she wants to know that you're safe, if she wants to get references to make sure that you're safe, if she wants to do a criminal background check on you to make sure you're not going to do something to hurt her children, don't be offended by that. Understand where she's coming from and giving those rides or that transportation may give her a break. If you could provide yard work, that could be so tremendous. I know for me, getting my yard mowed. If there was someone that could come and do that, you know, once or twice a month for me, um, that would be a tremendous blessing. Vehicle maintenance or house minor house repairs. So if you are a painter and you know of a mama who's going through transition and maybe she just needs like a fresh coat of paint in her bedroom, if she wants to make her bedroom kind of a sanctuary. Um, I had a pretty traumatic event happen for me and um, it was something that several of my friends found out about and they rallied around me and they raised, um, they, they gave me money to um, redo some things in my bedroom. And it will be so beautiful for me when this is done to be able to lay my head 
on the bed at night and know that my friends stepped up and provided me with this beautiful bed and this beautiful bedding that I can just lay at rest and be at peace at night. And every time I lay down, I can think about my spiritual family that really stepped it up and showed up for me in this very practical way. Okay, now we're going to talk about um, something that I will probably dig deeper into as we get into the holidays because I do want to do a podcast about how we stand by and support singles during the holiday season. But one thing that can be very helpful that you can be doing right now is invite her and her kids into your home now. Have them over for dinner or a game night or a movie night or something fun in October in early November, and then when the holidays roll around, if they need a place to go, it will not feel awkward if you invite them over for Thanksgiving and or Christmas. So I have a dear friend who invited me to come and be a part of her family's Easter, and I was almost going to go, and then I talked myself out of it. I had major, major anxiety, and what I realized is if I had been around them prior, if I had been around them in a setting that wasn't a holiday and I really knew them, I would have probably felt more comfortable going to a holiday because a holiday thing seems to be more intimate and more family focused. So I was so grateful that she invited me and I thanked her profusely for inviting me. But me, myself, I just wasn't ready to go like invade this, this space of this family that I didn't really know. So if you invite people you know, through the summer months or the spring months and you do some activities with them, when the holidays roll around, you'll already know their extended family and you'll feel more comfortable going into that. So that's just something we can do right now. Just start inviting them over. It's, you know, it's fall right now in Virginia. Fire pits are a great place to get to know each other. A pot of soup, some pumpkin pie, some apple cider, invite people over to sit around the fire pit, get to know them. And then when the holidays roll around, they'll feel like they're already kind of part of your community. This is something that I desperately needed. And I think other people need them. Assure her that you and your family are not perfect and that you're fully aware that your family is not perfect. Make this relationship reciprocal. Less of a charity case and more of a back and forth friendship. This is really important. Those of us who have been and are going through trauma, we already feel like freak shows. Trust me. We feel like we are a burden. We feel like we are an annoyance. We feel like people just wish we and our problems would just disappear. We feel that, we feel that in a real way. If you open up and share about how real your family is, and you don't have to go into gory details, but if you just, you know, let it be known that you know you're not perfect and you know your family's not perfect and you know your marriage is not perfect, she's going to feel less like she's a burden. And if you share some of the things that you're going through in your life and you ask her for prayer and it can be reciprocal and mutual, that will just tremendously bless her. Instead of just saying, let me know what I can do. And trust me, I'm guilty of this. I say this a lot. I'm trying to do better. Turn it around and get very specific. So instead of saying, let me know how I can help you. Say, I will be available next Tuesday or Thursday. Which of those days best suits you for me to drop off a meal? Do you see how different that is? It's so specific. So don't just throw out there, let me know, I'm here. Let me know if I can help you. Make a very specific offer. If you're on her safe list for babysitting or transporting the kids, say, I'm available next next Wednesday or next Friday 
for these three hours, which day would work for you to bring the kids by so that you can have some time to yourself. So get very, very, very specific with what you're willing and able to do to help. So I hope that this has given you some ideas and I hope that some of my ladies who are going through the major shift and the rebuilding right now will feel the courage just to share this with their safe friends and safe family members because I think most good people out there really would do whatever they could if they just knew where to begin. And sometimes the need can be so great that we don't know where to start. When there is a physical death, there are certain things that are socially expected and acceptable. People show up with food and that's what somebody said the other day. When I had a death, people showed up with casseroles. When I went through my divorce, no one showed up with food. This is trauma. This is grieving. This is betrayal. And they need the casseroles just as much as someone who is going through a physical loss. So let us, as friends, as helpers, let us just reach into the strengths that we have the things that God has gifted us with. If we are very, very resourced and artistic, um, maybe making a beautiful card or a beautiful painting, like whatever it is that you are gifted in, whatever God has anointed you and gifted you to do to bless others, use that very thing to help these mamas who are rebuilding their lives. And I say that when we all do our little part, it will always be enough. If we all band together and do the thing that we can do, the thing that God has set in our hearts and given us the abilities and the capacities to do, it will always be enough. And as I was telling one dear person this morning, I stand here five years later to tell you that time and time again, God has shown up for me. And it's always been through willing vessels. It's always been through people who were generous and kind, who saw me and saw my needs. Um, There was a situation a couple of years ago when I was going through all the medical stuff and I did not know if I was going to live or die. Doctors were not helping me and a friend reached out to me and told me that she believed that God had asked her to raise a pretty sizable amount of money for me for medical costs and I said well I appreciate that and I am grateful that you'd be willing but right now I don't even have medical bills because (laughs) no doctor will help me and she said Heather this money will be for you to use however you need it and she ended up raising close to ten thousand dollars I think for me six thousand of that came from one anonymous donor you guys someone handed her six thousand dollars said don't tell heather who this is from and she showed up on my doorstep to hand that to me and that money was able to go towards counseling and towards some deductibles when i finally did find a doctor that would help me and it kept me from sinking into a hole financially it allowed me and enabled me to get the care that i needed for my mental state that I wouldn't have been able to do otherwise. More recently, I had a (laughs) surprise um, roof leak. And when I went to my insurance company, they they wouldn't do anything for me. And so some friends found out about this. And one friend created a GoFundMe account. And I think two thirds of the cost of my roof repair has been raised already. Like that is amazing, people. That is so amazing. This roof repair 
and the damages that were caused inside was going to cost about a fourth to a third of my annual income. Like that's a hit, people. That is a massive hit. And instead of having to go into the hole all these thousands of dollars, God showed up through his people, through willing vessels. And I only have to worry about, I think, $2,000 more. That's just amazing. So when I say what he did for me, he can do for you, I believe that. But you have to be willing to let people help you too. And it was very humbling when she came to me to ask if she could set up the GoFundMe. I had tears well up in my eyes. And I said, if any of my friends were going through this exact same thing, that would be my response. Let's create a fund and let's raise the money. I said, but it's so different when it's for me and not for somebody else. And she said, but Heather, this is God wanting to take care of you. And I had to allow myself to receive that gift for my friends, which was a gift from my heavenly father. So I'm here to encourage those of you who are givers and I'm there here to encourage you, those of you who need to be on the receiving end right now, that there's blessings and there's lessons in both being the receiver and the giver. And I honestly believe that when we're put in a place where we need to receive gifts, it makes us better givers. It teaches us humility. It teaches us how to give in a way that makes people feel loved and not like their charity cases. And but for the grace of God, like that's any of us could be in that position of need at any moment. Just in a moment's notice, we could be there. So I pray that we will be gracious givers and gracious receivers. So I hope that this helped you on your journey to becoming a better helper and healer. And as always, ladies, you are welcome to join us at Held and Healed Christian Women Rebuilding After Abuse. That is a Facebook private but searchable group. And you can also find me at heatherelizabeth.org. So I pray today that you will be held even as you are being healed. Blessings. Mm-hmm.